ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Dying Time is here. That's right, we are talking Freddy versus Jason. What are you going to do? This is the Kill by Kill podcast. We're dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, and that's the characters. We're going to unpack all the goriest of details of Freddy versus Jason in the hopes that a, a very sleepless teen's death is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make at their expense. And as always, there is only one person that I trust, and that is if I need this Everclear to kick my ass, she'll provide me with some. The one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? Again, this is Mystify. I was going to say that I brought my mason jar full of Everclear. <laughs> he is, um, oddly enough, uh, this character, Shaq, uh, that we have, the mystifyingly uh, nom de plume Shaq, uh, he is drinking this uh, bevy of Everclear vodka out of a plastic jug that you like serve water at at Chuck E. Cheese. You know, Everclear is that's you know about the same level as bathtub gin. Basically, you're not gonna <laughs> drink it out of you know a fancy carafe or anything like that. So I don't need a, a specialty mug or a specific type of glass like when I have a Duval. No, you don't need a crystal goblet or or, or a. Uh, you know, or an aperitif glass that that's okay. not required for drinking right. Everclear. Uh, I mean, that is one of the benefits of having a cornrow rave is that there's a large buffet sort of sampling of aperitif glasses if you ask for it, but few people do. <laughs> Gina, I don't want to alarm you or make you afraid, but uh, here's the deal. Okay. We are not alone. That's right. We have a very special guest. She is the director of two movies uh, so far, uh, All That We Destroy, which you can find on Hulu right now, and Fangoria's Satanic Panic, which is on Blu-ray, and it's streaming, and I think it's coming to to, to Shudder. Well, by the time this airs, it, it'll be on Shudder. The one, the only Chelsea Stardust. How are you doing today, Chelsea? I'm great. How are you guys? Excellent. It's the state of the world is fantastic. <laughs> I just feel calm. I'm not, not alarmed about anything. Oh, look, here's another news alert on my phone. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not a thing I have to worry about. <laughs> Everything is going according to plan. Today, we learned that Gina's boss isn't really so sure there's a problem with viruses. So... It's going to be great, everyone. <laughs> I am isolated. I work from home. Gina, we have to protect her. We may have to ship her some plastic suits or something to keep her isolated on the train I just need every single day. I, I just need a, a John to bubble to, to put myself in. Yes. If we could get your hair to that level, too, I think that would be fantastic with that very butt-level uh, feathered look, you know, kind of like uh, the Dracula and Bram Stoker's Dracula at one point. <laughs> then my nerves really would be soothed. <laughs> <laughs> but people are not going to approach you. You're going to become unapproachable, and I think, 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 I, I think that's the best with, mode. I'm fine with that. <laughs> no nobody coming up to me and asking if i if i care about animal rights no one asking me how to get to the world trade center i i it's it's a win-win <laughs> no one yelling showtime win -win. directly at your face <laughs> oh boy uh so uh chelsea you're a, a, an accomplished director i think and weirdly enough to come at this point in, in our journey with Freddy versus Jason. Because for a long time, both these franchises were semi-serious. I mean, not really serious, but they they took themselves relatively like, we're trying to scare your pants off. Yeah. And at a certain point, they became comedies and then meta-comedies. And you have done both uh, psychological horror films, and you've done a very good, uh, you know, out and out horror comedy, which is very hard to do. Yes. <laughs> so when you look 
When you look back at when you first watched Freddy versus Jason, when was that? And how did it inform your filmmaking to date? So I think um, the first time I saw it, so I think the movie came out in 2003, Mm -hmm. which means I would have been a senior in high school um, because I graduated in 2003 from high school. So I believe I saw it in the theater with my um, best friend since kindergarten, Sadie. Like her and I, we love horror movies. We would watch them at very low volume, like at our sleepovers because Mm – we didn't really want either of our, her parents were like way more lenient than mine were about it, but we did it in sort of a stealthy way. So no one would know we were watching them and we'd sit really close to the television. <laughs> so, but because by the time this came out, I think I was already 17 and I could could get into the, the theater without a, a parent or a guardian because I used to be like much stricter than I think they are now. I'm not sure how they are now, but uh, I remember seeing it because I was a fan of, of, the Friday the 13th movies and Nightmare on Elm Street. And I remember seeing the trailer for it and being really excited, like, we have to go opening weekend and see it. And I uh, I remember both of us just laughing our asses off through the whole thing. <laughs> I, I would assume this would play better with the crowd than isolated oh, yeah. unto yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we had a blast watching it. And then I actually didn't see it again for a pretty long time and then I made a point to I try to revisit all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies and all the Friday the 13th movies um every other year ish and it had just been a long time since I had watched them all and so I got the that beautiful blu-ray um in that like you know steel case the box thing, set yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that um of all the Friday the 13th and of course, it was. It's part of that. So the blue, beautiful Blu-ray, um, and rewatched it, and I was like, "Oh my god, this movie is so, still so bonkers." Um, god, it's still absolutely insane. And of course, I rewatched it um, for the podcast in full. Uh, rewatched it in full because it had been a minute, and I was like, oh, "I want to, I want to see this again." Um, there's some. There's still some some pretty pretty kooky stuff, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, and I like, and I like, um, I mean, it's it's a movie I, you know, last time I watched it, I think, is when I was prepping for Satanic Panic, because I made a point to watch a lot of those horror comedies. The thing with Freddy versus Jason, though, is like you have, um, Freddy became such a vessel for comedy within those uh, dark, dark movies. Um, but yeah, I ended up watching that, and Evil Dead 2, um, and American Werewolf in London, like a slew of other horror comedies, because I just wanted to see what where they worked, what made them work, and maybe where they didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also always interesting to watch how things under the lens of like 2020, how things hold up, how special effects hold up, you know, uh, all, all of that stuff. So um, it was really, it was actually quite fun to revisit it. And of course, anytime there's like the crazy guitar shredding happening, like we're getting you amped up right now, um, <laughs> is always quite, quite fun. <laughs> Yeah, this movie has a, uh, it, it's really selling a time. Oh, for sure. Oh, it's so, it's so late 90s, early 2000s. Like the clothes they wear, the music cues, like it really took me back, especially this time I was feeling like I'm getting that weird late 90s nostalgia. Like everyone has nostalgia for the 80s, but I was born in 85. So the 90s are when I grew up and into the 2000s. So I have a very different, I'm nostalgic about something a little bit different. Um but man, it was definitely checking those boxes for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad it's checking boxes for somebody. <laughs> now, uh, I well, listen, we we just came out of the the remake. Um, it, it, very the the amount of time that has passed for the listener has been vast, but the amount of time for us has been very short. So this is a joy compared to <laughs> the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Oh God, I which, can't I can't even with that. Like I can't. Because those remakes, you know, the the time when Platinum Dunes was putting them all out. And there are some I actually liked. I'm actually a fan of, I've talked about it before, but the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake that I think came out, also came out in 2003, Mm -hmm. um, that Marcus Nespel did. Um, Really liked that. I actually don't mind the Friday the 13th one. It's something I'll like put on and I enjoy. But when you get the Nightmare one, though, oh my goodness, it is rough sauce it's it's rough sauce (laughs) yeah it makes a a fatal mistake but there's this concept right that 
if we just make Freddy scarier by showing you how he used to murder children, <sighs> that that will translate into uh, a scarier movie. And it turns out it just makes it grosser. And, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know where this grim dark thing happened, or people are trying to up it. Like we, we call it here, not your daddy's Freddy syndrome around <laughs> these parts, and uh, this suffers a little bit from it. It, but but then again, it's very confused in terms of how exactly it wants to portray these various monsters. And I think we should get into it in the action of the movie. Of course, in order to do that, we have to tell everyone. Who is still left alive at this point in the movie? Too many people, honestly. <laughs> Let's start with Lori. Uh, now, she's sort of the our main character, her, but um, she's really the spoke of the wheel in this movie because everything happens around her while she does virtually nothing. She does yep. blink a lot, so she's got that going for her. Uh, but also she's not been given much to do. Just things happen to her. Uh, whereas her best friend Kia played by the one and only Kelly Rowland, uh, whose acting career was not ready for this jelly or this jam. Quite frankly, uh, we also have Linderman, uh, who, uh, I just learned was swiped left on by on data dork for five years running. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, we also have uh, Officer Frosted Tips. He's like if you <laughs> gave a thumb a face totally. and put him in a uniform. Uh, and then we have Not Jay from Jay and Silent Bob. And I guess he likes weed, but I really can't tell. <laughs> yeah, I just put, uh, I, just put I, I wrote my notes, Jay sans Silent Bob. <laughs> yes. And of course, there's also Will. Um, he's a character where there's, there's more gel in his hair than attention paid to his character because, and I want to remind everyone of this before we start this. He supposedly watched Lori's dad kill oh, yeah. his wife. That, that is something that this film says happened. With a comically large knife. <laughs> I mean, yes. fucking Halloween style. Basically, she's on a bed and I don't know. Is she supposedly having a bad dream? Is, is that what is going on here? And he's like, oh, I'll solve this problem with a knife. Or was she just, did she have a bad burrito? Well, I, I, I assume she was having a dream because, I mean, we, we all know who he really saw kill her mom. I, can I can I can I mention now or should I wait a little while later to to say that I, I have to admit I am still completely and utterly baffled as to how this will make these teenagers forget plan works. <laughs> oh yeah, the logic of that. Um, yeah, it's so I was actually thinking about that. I was like, I wonder how many iterations that went through in the script development stage of like, okay, how do we make this all work? And how do okay, how do we make the kids forget? Let's figure this out. And then just just the idea of like, oh, his name is and then of I think it's Will, who in or Mark, excuse me, in front of the whole school is like, his name is Freddy Krueger and this is what he does. I'm like, oh my God, isn't this the whole thing everyone was fighting against? And you just spread it like a virus, like Corona yeah. in Freddy versus Jason. I, but this thing this only just happened a couple of years ago that these that these teenagers were were dragged away to a psychiatric hospital in town that nobody knows that they were at. Yes. And I guess their I guess their parents were paid off or they're you know, they're bound and gagged in a basement somewhere. They 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 haven't asked any questions. They signed and, a confidentiality agreement. Yes. It's an NDA for your child. And somehow these these particular teenagers being you know, away has made these other teenagers forget about this mysterious being named Freddy Krueger. And I, I just I do not understand how that's supposed to work. I, I don't either. As far as plans go, the uh, sort of Springwood Police Department has never been particularly great at its job. But <laughs> now they're so good at their job that they've been able to quarantine the idea of Freddy Krueger. Uh, <laughs> which, when it comes out of my mouth, sounds like the stupidest fucking idea. But then when you read what the other ideas were for this movie... This seems like, oh, no, 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 no. That's a safe path. People <laughs> will believe this as opposed to a, a Freddy cult. 
that wants to resurrect him or there's a real Jason Voorhees and the movie Jason Voorhees is different and he's in a court case. Like this is all shit that actually almost happened in the 10 years it took to get Freddy versus Jason made. So (laughs) it's clear that the people at New Line would rather go with mystical solutions. They love magical thinking over at New Line, hence why Jason at one point was killed by a large knife and Tinkerbells flew out of his chest. You know, typical Jason Voorhees shit. (laughs) Insane. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Still, the wildest thing in that entire movie is that they put a baby in a cardboard box and they're like, wait till my shift is over, baby, and walk away from it. It's on a table. In a cardboard box. That is the horror movie. There's no more horrific image in that entire film than that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So let's rejoin the action. We're in the middle of the corn rave. Poor Gib, who was passed out. And another fun time uh, conversation. Nearly raped uh, by a guy wearing way too many glow sticks. As if that could be a thing. And yet it is true. The like extreme raver. (laughs) (laughs) He's taking rave too far and we need to step back to this level of rave too far. So, uh, I did think I owned those pants. I think I owned those (laughs) pants in high school. (laughs) I, yeah, I can see it. Um, I, I probably made some terrible mistakes at at the time. I was extremely (laughs) uh, gap jeaned and belted. I wore a lot of belted jeans at the time. (laughs) Good heavens. I I don't know. I was, you know, listen, I was kind of, listen, I was raised in a church. I didn't know how to socialize. It took some time, everybody. I had to leave the country to come back a a human being. A new person. Yep, a new person. (laughs) So in the midst of this, no one sees that this rave rapist has been launched into the stratosphere. Uh, And the next we see it, um, the 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 anti Kool Aid man, uh, Jason Voorhees, is standing behind Shaq and his buddy, his confidant. Um, <laughs> he's just this guy who is, remains nameless. Uh, but as soon as 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 Jason arrives, there's a thing in Friday the Thirteenth movies uh, that's not so present in Nightmares, but. It's this idea that you have to make the audience dislike the characters in order to feel better about their fates. Mm-hmm. And I find it to be a fatal flaw. I think it's bad thinking. And here we see it displayed almost immediately. Now, I don't need everyone in the movie to be a good guy, but I I don't like Shaq. <laughs> and I don't like his friend. And uh, I also, that makes me not care that they die and that's a problem i want to care about it otherwise it's not horror it's just something that happens it's like you never really feel bad about that guy who owns the fruit cart that a a car runs through in a car chase because you don't know anything about him they're the fruit car here the the fruit cart right right getting run over and i think it's something that like especially this like as more, as we got kind of further down the, I maybe with, I, I can't, I don't know if it's more with Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street, probably more with Friday the 13th, but um, clearly in this movie, a lot of the characters are specifically there to, it's a body count thing. Yeah. So they don't ever want you to have a real relationship with them in a way because they're like, oh, we care so much about the body count. But I do think that is a, is a flaw because it's so interesting that the movies where you are rooting for the bad guy, like in in this movie, some people are rooting for Freddy. Some people are rooting for Jason. I don't even know if people are truly rooting for Lori and Kia and Will. And like, I don't, I don't know because even with the ending, like, which you know uh, is a whole other thing to unpack. But it's so interesting to me that people specifically went that went 
to this because they're like, oh, we want to see Freddy and Jason kill people and attack each other. So I just like it's such an interesting thought that like people are probably rooting for the bad guys in this, like the 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 molester of children and also uh, and and this guy giant uh, man wielding a machete too. So it's just very interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, it, it's structured very much like a video game. Totally, where where you don't like get attached to characters and you, you watch a little. You know, if you look closely, you can almost see a little counter at the bottom of the screen going ding 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 ding. <laughs> Every time someone is killed, and, and yeah, it's definitely just a, you know, come to this movie, watch a bunch of people get killed. Yeah, totally. It also doesn't help that we're at, um, we're just past the dawn of uh, digital effects here. And so it's not a perfect solution for everything. And when the film plays in the realm of practical effects, you're kind of like, hey, I like that. And then it goes, oh, wait till you see this. Jason's going to spin a guy's head and snap his spine and his head's going to turn around all the way completely. (laughs) But it also turns so fast and stops. It's like his head has a childproof cap on it. (laughs) And it just stops in one place. Like there's a notch in his Adam's apple that stops at his spine. And so it just look instead of being cool, it just looks unnatural and weird. But uh, don't worry, everyone. Shaq's got a plan. <laughs> He's going to throw all of the Everclear vodka he has at yes. Jason Voorhees and torch him with a tiki torch. And this then demonstrates the problem with the digital effects because then you get a full body burn stunt, which is always awesome. It always is. Yeah. It's dangerous and it's real and you can't fake it. You can't fake it right. You have to get somebody in a Nomex suit, make him hold his breath, and burn him. And that just looks cool. And you get that great overhead shot of Shaq running towards the rave and a burning Jason Voorhees slowly (laughs) sauntering. He's just like lumbering through the corner. (laughs) He's he's chilling. He's like, I'm making a path. It's gotten hot in here. What's going on? (laughs) It just, uh, but that is a shot that tells me like, Ronnie Hughes is a good director. Like he knows how to make this sequence something that is memorable. And it's like probably one of the few things I always remember from this movie. I just wish we got a little bit more of that rather than the endless discussion, you know, the, the constant let's all gather in a room and talk scenes that this. Oh yeah. I can't, uh, <laughs> can't, which is in like, it's almost like 20 minutes from this scene we're talking about. Cause I actually wrote the time codes cause I'm a big weirdo. Um, but something you bring up about Ronnie Yu as like a good director, I, I did make a notation this time watching that actually the cinematography in this movie is really good. Like something I didn't really necessarily, necessarily notice before, but as you were talking about that overhead shot where he's walking through the corn, I was like, oh my God, that's great. Um, that's awesome. But he makes some really good cinematography choices in this film that I very much appreciate. Yeah. Um, cause you don't see that as often. Um, but yeah, so it's trail of fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's, but they also make very weird editing decisions. And uh, this seems like remake, you know, the old adage, you make a movie three times, once as a script, once in production and once in post. So the idea here is a chase where Jason, despite being on fire, thunders ahead towards his prey as Shaq runs towards people to say, oh my God, a crazy man is on fire and he's killing people. But as Shaq saw, Shaq is not great on his feet. I I think that's a choice. (laughs) Um, It's weird for a supposed football star that they're selling him as, but okay, fine. He's drunk or whatever. But a slow person chase kind of sucks the tension out of it. And then you have the editorial choice to do that stutter flash. Thing, oh yeah. Which I, I typically pick up on like sci-fi movies, movies on the sci-fi network where they're like, Oh, we can't afford to show this bear attack. So here's a bear head with st- in stutter vision. 
oh my god it's terrifying you can barely see it move and i think they're they think they're covering up for something but they're just drawing attention to it and here it's something i don't think you need but some editor thought this is going to make this look better and i disagree with that person I thought I remembered a lot more people dying in it, but a lot of people escape because he isn't really, he doesn't really have it. You know, Jason's been around a long time, so he doesn't really have the same spring in his step. Yeah. Um, and I love the flaming machete. Like I love that mm-hmm. visual, but, and you know, we, we get some machete kills, but everyone kind of just scatters and there's not nearly enough. Like I thought there would be way more deaths. I guess I remembered that scene being like much bigger, but maybe it's because it's it, like leading in with Gibbs' death and and the stoners, and so it's like you're hit with a couple of those. But I was thinking like when you this is like should be Jaws in uh in like the the kiddie pool, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's but it definitely was not that for me. Though I do like him being his flames being doused by beer. Yes. <laughs> That's a highlight here. But what this sequence actually reminds me of, and this is a movie that loves to reference its previous franchises, was Freddy's Revenge Pool Party. Oh, um, totally. Yeah. Uh, and when we were covering that, we, we that evoked a conversation as to what exactly Freddy Krueger's powers are. Because in that, in, in someone else's body, he's able to create hell pits and... He's just wildly, it, 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 it sort of takes the power out of him because he's he's bound to earth gravity for whatever reason, yet <laughs> he's still a magical witch. And then some guy who is, it turns out to be Brian Wimmer, uh, who's been on television for a long time, does this thing where he goes, hey, hey, listen, we don't, we don't have to, we don't have to slash anybody with your big glove knife. It's cool. We're cool. Are we all cool? And he dies. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that that's the best part of that. Uh, one guy just falls into a flame pit. But this feels like they're like, let's let's do something like that. And it's kind of like, well, but it's, it's not <laughs> Freddy's best moment. And it's certainly not a thing that Jason does necessarily. It feels like a loose interpretation of, I just, I'm like you, I would want it to be almost bigger rather than a guy in a stocking cap turning around and going, Hey, slash. And then it happens over and over again. You killed my brother freak. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my God. We get three chest slashes complete with what I do like here is the samurai movie level of blood gush coming out of those, of those slashes. From oh yeah. Machete. I, I think that's a that's a plus up here. I wish there was yes. more of that actually. Um, and then we get Jason's flaming body doused with beer <laughs> from a keg that he cuts <laughs> open. Uh, in total, there in that sequence, he kills about six people, but all kind of the same way. Yeah, yeah, they're they are. If you look at like uh, what they call the kill lists online, they are just it says six rapers. <laughs> 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 they don't even get any names. No. We don't know where they came from. We only only know what they came to, and that is the corn <laughs> rave. Uh, you know, the corn <laughs> rave we all had. Um, and so let's cut to uh, Lori uh, and Kia and Will as they escape from Jason. They discover Gibbs' corpse, and we get a radio play performance from Monica Kina, who has a great scream here. But also her face is frozen in, this is a wide shot. No one will ever see me. What's home video again? I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of a rictus. It's, I think it's unfair to her. Because, <laughs> like, you can put in a scream and post. Like, I kind of need to see your face reacting to one of your best friends lying dead on the ground. But She, she spends most of this sequence screaming. Yes. Yes. Like the whole, like the literally the whole 12 minutes we're talking about here. She spends most of it screaming or, and or crying. She's a hot mess. In between that segment, we get another three people. Um, uh, one of the ravers is, is dressed in a hockey jersey, which I'm sure sent the producers into a bounty of laughs. Uh, but also it's a rave in a cornfield. Like you're moving a lot. You don't want to dance in a fucking hockey jersey. Come on. <laughs> That is not. Yeah, that's sweaty. No. You're, you're sweating all over the place in that. You have your priorities wrong. No. <laughs> um, let's cut to 
the boogie van, which um, it took me a really long time to figure out the name that's on the front of it, which is the serpent. It also has, I will point out, a Misfits air freshener. Yes, it does. Yes, I saw that too. <laughs> if that's not if that's not early 2000s enough for you. <laughs> because when you think of the fresh scent of the Misfits. Um, now, I ask you, does any, who, whose van is that supposed to be? That is Mark's older brother who yeah. committed suicide slash oh, was okay. killed by Freddy. Okay, I was going to say, because none of those characters look like they listen to the Misfits. No, and to be honest with you, neither does Mark's older brother, but whatever, man. I mean, talk about... Hey, hey, you you don't know what Scott Farkas listens to, okay? (laughs) That's my. That is my Twitter friend for some reason. (laughs) He's also my Twitter friend for some reason. (laughs) I don't know. I'm very friendly. He doesn't ever seem to tweet. I just think he likes to... See what people saying? I don't know. Why isn't he my Twitter friend? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go follow him. Uh, <laughs> because he because we pass it along on on podcasts, and then people are like, I want to get in on this. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I don't think it's the oddest mismatch between character and van. That prize has to go to Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, which our main character has a boogie van full of uh of grateful dead stickers that's true that's true and you're like who where where did she who is this This what parking lot did you steal this out how how is this you her name is stenciled on the outside of this van she is very proud of this i follow the dead van but she's not really a i follow the dead person so her, you know, high, her high school years were way out there, man. <laughs> so let's talk about what happens inside the van. We got Freeberg, we got Linderman, we got Kia, we got Lori, and Will is driving. And then um, uh, Freeberg, <laughs> his name is Freeberg, says... Freeberg and Linderman sound like... They, they sound like characters in rock and roll high school. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that that's a bad thing. If your goal is to have character names that are like rock and roll high school, you're aiming at the right target as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Hey, Gina, I don't want to alarm you, but we have new reviews and Patreon supporters. Is that correct? That is. Somehow... uh... Implausibly, given these uh, these difficult times we are collectively sharing, uh, this has been a uh, these past couple of weeks have uh, been rather a, a windfall of new patrons for us. Um, we have uh, new patrons W B Lewis, uh, Anna uh, Marima. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Tim Waverla, and then uh, a patron that was already on our roster, David Robeson, raised his pledge to ten dollar. Oh my god. So uh he will have an opportunity to uh participate in our uh our next drawing to uh pick a movie for us to watch that will be in May and all these folks are just in time for our next bonus episode which will be the undoubtedly classic in the making Mr. Glenn Danzig's Verotica. <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to this viewing. I don't exactly know what to expect beyond eyeballs on boobs. Yeah, I and and apparently a lot of porn stars trying to to become legitimate actors. Fingers crossed. Um, not only do we love our Patreon supporters because they help pay the bills around this place and help keep this podcast free, the other way people can help is by uh, giving us a review, particularly on iTunes. And not only can you review us here in America, but you can across the pond. It just so happens that we have new reviews that have come to us from uh, Great Britain. Uh, first is from Hamel Horror, and he writes a cervically funny horror pod. I've listened to every episode of this podcast, and it is a proper laugh out loud funny, as well as being very informative. The presenters are razor sharp when it comes to wit, and uh, they always have great guests, which is a Tremendous compliment, not only to us, but especially to the wonderful people that we have on board here. 
Uh, this is a must for any horror enthusiast. And we have another one that is very simple but sweet from Hell's Bells 11, which is love it, great podcast, five stars. Thank you so much. It's these types of reviews that actually help us raise in the ranking in various places. And they're, they're going to help us be seen and heard by more people. And I know every podcast tells you to do it. But we really want you to review us, man. Do it. Do it today. <laughs> Just whatever you're doing. We know you're not doing anything because none of us are doing anything either. So <laughs> so right. you, what are you what are you going what else are you gonna do? You gonna yeah, play Animal Crossing? It it doesn't have to be uh, you know super long, like great podcast that works fantastic. Do it today. Uh and so with that, thanks to all of our supporters. And now the body count continues. Uh, Friedberg uh, denotes at one point that goalie was pissed about something, man. I, we have to get over this hockey mask, everyone. <laughs> it's not his soul defining trait. He, he has levels. Why not talk about his lovely hair that he has in the one corner of his skull or the fact that he's purple? He's now suddenly purple. Oh, yeah. That goes unremarked throughout this entire fucking thing that, that Jason Voorhees is now purple. Like and shiny and sh- yeah, <laughs> and the filled with silvery grape juice. Yeah, it's like if you taught a California raisin uh, to lift weights. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I did enjoy the fact that Linderman is the one person in the van to say "fuck the police." Yes, uh, I love that. Yeah, the 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 the. It's, I mean, somebody called the police. Like <laughs> like you know, a half a scene later, there's crime scene photos already <laughs> taken. <laughs> And it's like two hours later, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. What Time works very weirdly in this movie. This, this seems to be an eternal night. The sheriff is hiding them away. The bottom drawer of his desk like, well, I'm going to set fire to these later. <laughs> <laughs> so then a whole bunch of we get a time cut here. And then we end up uh, with uh, Kia and and Lori talking about how Gib is dead. Kia manages to get that, get to squeeze out one single little teardrop for Gib. Yeah. <laughs> Just I, one. <laughs> I'm going to call that a sailing uh, maneuver. Yeah, that was definitely someone ran over, bleep, put a little bit, a little bit of bison in her eye before they, before they yelled action. There's a little bloop bleep. Um, hey, man, acting. It's the magic of movies, but... Monica Kina is genuinely crying because she's genuinely crying through half of this movie. So yeah. I believe that Monica Kina can cry. I'm not entirely sure uh, about one third of Destiny's Child or one fourth, depending on the album you're listening to. I got to say, though, I love Kia in this movie. <laughs> she's like MVP for me. See, now I think this is a, a divide. Now, this is the second person who said this. I We have not had a male guest come on and say, oh, my God, she's great in this. But. All the ladies, with the exception of Gina, seem to <laughs> really enjoy her performance in this. Now, what are you drawing from it, might I ask? I think there was something about her. Uh, she wants to. She. She. I, I think she makes good choices throughout, like her character does. Mm-hmm. Um, and she genuinely, I think, wants to. Uh, is like ready to kick Jason's ass if she, like she needs to. Um, and also, I just found her. She just has like such a attitude that I appreciate in this. Whereas, you know, Lori is kind of like timid. It takes Lori a long time. Like Lori definitely has, like Kia knows who she is. She's consistent through the whole movie. But I think Lori is, I mean, she has more of the arc because she starts out and I was like, oh man, let's let's get on with it. And then finally she um, she has, you know, the, the power to like take down Freddie and Jason, but it takes her a long time to get there. Yeah. Um, though I will say that uh, Lori's crocheted sweater um, is a is a great uh, uh, fashion choice. <laughs> there are <laughs> an abundance of fashion choices made in this movie, and I'll point to one right now that happens to be on Kia. She has attended this rave dressed in the top half of a cowardly lion costume. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it's a that's a lot of yarn fringe for dancing. Yes, the fringe. Yes. It, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a very fringy, fringy shirt. <laughs> uh, it wouldn't be my choice, but then again, she doesn't need to make my choices. It's fine. <laughs> so then Will finally gets Lori back to her house, and he, she's like, I just want to go inside. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't think that's a good idea. But then again, he's also driven her right outside her house. 
So he, <laughs> right. the, the, and, he, and decides that this is the best time to tell her what he's what he thinks he saw. His <laughs> his exact words are your mom didn't die in a car crash. That's what your father wanted you to believe. Wait, hold on. The, 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 this is what this is where I keep getting just just knotted up in this movie. Bush did 9-11 level conspiracy <laughs> of, of of how everybody in this town is trying to cover up this killer. Yeah. I, what what do they get out of it? Because it's such a well, if we don't mention him anymore, then he'll stop killing. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no apparently, but apparently that is how it works. That people forgot about him four years ago. Because <laughs> we all know how, how the human brain does a complete wipe. Every four years, it just forgets everything that, that happened before that point. I would but, point you I mean, to Twitter to see how people are currently forgetting four years ago, but go on. Is this some sort of like under the dome sitch where, where you know, no one new comes to the town, no one leaves, and, and, and all the parents are working in concert to try to drive these memories out of their children's minds. Yeah. Because it's better than, oh, I don't know, moving them out of the town, <laughs> you know, being, being honest with them and, you know, explaining about this terrible thing that happened. No, this is some massive widespread conspiracy involving a psychiatric hospital, involving doctored police records. And it, it's just like, it, I, it <laughs> it's reduced us to stammering. Uh, yeah, I am honestly pondering how when the screenwriter is writing this is like, yeah, that makes sense. No one's going to question this. <laughs> no, it'll be fine. They keep piling it on. It it's, it gets even worse because in this circumstance, just let's just take this circumstance right here. What Will is proposing that he was climbing up a trellis outside of Lori's house, peered in. See, when I used to, when I used to sneak into, I was sneaking into your room like I used to. Yeah, like when you were twelve. How early on were you guys when we were doing 14, this? When we were fourteen. 14? Yeah. But he he denotes that this has been going on for what feels like their entire lives. I've always been climbing up to your bedroom, which is, uh, I'll be honest with you, even weirder. But let's get past that. So let's, he comes up into her bedroom. She mysteriously is not there, but he does get to see Lori's dad with a comically large carving knife kick in his own bedroom door, wife convulsing on the bed like she's in beyond the door. And he's like, and then I saw him kill her. And then Lori's dad's excuse at the end of this is, she died in a car accident. So again, let, let, let's consider this. Okay, sure. That he would have to be working with the police mm-hmm. to hide her body, I guess. Yeah, like because he... because a car accident does not look like you've been stabbed to death. No, no, those are different injuries here. <laughs> so did he like put it, put the body in a car, and then go? All right, I'm going to send you into a tree. Now. Like that's an entire fucking evening that you've got going on. <laughs> And then he just apparently told Lori, oh, yeah, oh, by the way, you, hi, honey, how was school? By the way, mom died in a car accident. <laughs> oh, you want to go see her? No, I'm sorry, she's already buried. It's too late. Here, have some pills. Here, just sleep, sleep, sleep. 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 <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, Dracula hand motion. And, 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 you know, this whole thing is, oh, well, this is what we told you. And they make it like something they told her when she was a baby. No, she was 14. Yeah. Yes. And, and then on top of it, just the cherry on top, he has a witness to this fucking murder. A witness who then they're like, well, what are we going to do? Well, let's put him in the loony bin with all the other people who've seen Freddy Krueger. And everyone goes, great idea. This is working out for all of us. Wait a second. You murdered your wife? Ah, whatever. (laughs) We got bigger fish to fry. (laughs) We got bigger. Yep, that's right. We'll, We'll pay off the parents to not ask any questions. Again, we've wandered into a situation in which the town is now complicit to a to a degree in which you wonder what is the tax kickback they're getting off their property tax to make this worthwhile for them how do they how do you we get never see we never see marker uh will's parents do they i mean no, are they, they don't are, exist no are they dead did they kill their parents <laughs> i don't know, I don't know. Go, so maybe, they wouldn't ask questions 
Maybe. I mean, but how would how would Mark's house still be there? Why would his what did they go fishing this weekend? I, I I mean, people leave town and whatnot. They don't have any children to look after, so they're empty nesters. They're like traveling to the wall of China or something. Like going on that cruise they always dreamed of. They gave up trying to find their child and decided <laughs> to travel the world instead. No, it's time for them, for them as a couple to reconnect, you know? <laughs> what you do after you lose two children. <laughs> oh my God. It's even worse. This is why you don't watch movies this way, everyone. <laughs> because you pull start to pull a thread and it all kind of falls apart. But that's not the way movies should work. But guess what? This is the format of the podcast, and we're locked. <laughs> All right, we've been doing this for almost four goddamn years. And that was also a bad idea. But here we are. Or was it a great idea? It's, or the best idea, yeah. <laughs> it's both. I think it's both. This, oh man, I'm telling you, I'm kind of fascinated by how successful Lori's dad is at getting away with murder. He's great at it. Right? When the number one industry in your town is pharmaceuticals, apparently. Because <laughs> every parent in this town and every one of these movies just has a, a, a stockpile of tranquilizers. <laughs> just, just you know, ready to grind up into their kids' food if they're ready, push on them when they, you know, they're up a, a tidy bit past midnight, just popping those pills on their kids. Oh, my God. The, the, the amount of trucks hauling orange juice there to hide, you know, uh, dosing. Uh, of your children must be staggering (laughs) out of control we're gonna add on to this because this is uh, this is such a fascinating component of this movie we we just had to slow it down and talk about it because it gets even weirder laurie's like listen uh, i just want to go into my house and bam 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 Uh oh it's laurie's successfully murderous dad where have you been? I've been looking all over for you. And he's acting like a maniac, which is a great way to cover up that you're not a murderer. Another great way is to choke your, your daughter's yeah. ex-boyfriend that you put into a sanitarium. A one-hand choke. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because apparently also Lori does not know where her own parent works. <laughs> Ollie's only, you know, nine and a half now. But if you were to ask him, you know, what do your parents do? He would kind of go, well, they're writers, but uh, I leave to go to school and they're not dressed. And I come back and a lot of times <laughs> they're dressed the same way. So I don't know what they Wait, But Ollie's, Ollie's, not, Ollie's nine, Laurie's just like 18. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, if you, were eight, if you were 18, you only have a vague idea of where your parents work. <laughs> that the, so, something has, has become disconnected somewhere. It's possible that a lot of the blood that would be going to her brain has been cut off from the water bra that she has been forced to wear for the entirety of this film that we also <laughs> get to see too much for someone wearing a lot of clothes <laughs> anywho Lori's dad nearly chokes out will <laughs> once again ironclad misdirect that you aren't a murderer uh Lori runs into the house and then asks her dad prove you didn't kill mom Show me a death certificate, an autopsy report. And then I swear to God, he pats his pants as if he always carries the autopsy report of the wife he murdered in his pocket. (laughs) I don't know if that's an intentional choice. I don't know if they were going for humor and it's just so subtle. I didn't notice it until now, but I think it's kind of brilliant. Deep down. <laughs> like, oh, uh, I got my uh, wife's autopsy report right here. Oh, yep. Says that she died changing the station on her Sirius XM radio. Yeah. I think that's good enough for everyone, right? Yeah. Come come at me. Come at me, yeah. bro. I got that proof. I got that proof right here. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been waiting up. for the... I, I, I had the whole time. You just never asked. <laughs> uh-huh. which, which is a reasonable thing to think. I mean... <laughs> If you're a teenager and one of your parents, you know, is there one day and dead the next, I, I would expect you to ask questions. Laurie apparently yes. has never asked questions. Doesn't not in, not interested. Yeah. Well, do you think it's because Laurie's mom was a terrible driver and she always knew that she was a terrible driver and she's like, one of these days, one of these <laughs> days is going to happen. <laughs> 
Like she's going to get she's it. in a car accident. I mean, it didn't get in the paper. No one said anything, but yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that adds up. Yeah, she believes it the same way like my kid still believes that Santa Claus is 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 delivering presents every year. Like she's just like, okay, works for me. You know, he's standing right outside the door to your office right now. <laughs> that, little, that little bottom lip is quivering. What have you done? <laughs> Oh, I'm going to get it so bad. It's gone on for so too long, too long. My my daughter, my daughter was a a late, a late comer to it as well. So not as, not as traumatic as you would think though. Once, once they figure it out, don't worry. Yeah. You know, here's another thing that I found a little odd and that is for a household that has had two murders occur in it in the last four years. They love to leave windows and doors open in this house. Oh, yeah, I noticed that, too. Also, is this house not still a crime scene? <laughs> you would think. There are no, there's no police tape on the door. There's no, you know, reporters around. Didn't, did that not just happen the night before? Yeah. How did they even get that broken body? I mean, granted, it is now folded into a more compact I was going to say, they just, they just rolled it out <laughs> in the bed, obviously. But, I mean... <laughs> That seems to me that that would be a human interest story think. that someone might pursue. But there's not even like a dust of fingerprint powder anywhere. Nothing is out of place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Again, Springwood Police Department, perhaps maybe more focused on one thing than the others. I don't know. Uh, so let's cut to Mark's house. Uh, Lori escapes out the window and she runs into Will, blah, blah, blah. Uh, who cares? But let's cut to Mark's house. Uh, he's rummaging through his dead brother's desk. We get to see some RC controls, lots of CDRs, and cassette tapes with the barcodes punched out so they can't be resold. So was he reviewing albums for Pitchfork? Did he get those cassette tapes as promos? Is he working at the local radio station? What? How is he getting I, I think this was. I think this was the set designer's attempt at at uh, what was the brother's name? Did the brother have a name? <laughs> I, I'm sure he did. Uh, Zach 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 Ward's character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whoever Bobby? Zach Ward is. Bobby. Yeah, I think this is you know the the between that and the the misfits air freshener. He's like the ultimate older brother. Mm-hmm. Like all they all they needed to do was like you know have him you know find out that he like he like sold high school students weed. <laughs> He's just like you know the the cool older brother. Yeah. If only he had that history book with it, the cutout and the joints inside, like from prom night, that would be fantastic. <laughs> or, or, yeah, he had a, you know, Slayer, you know, Satan laughs, you eternally rot, like written all <laughs> one of the school books, you know, lots of uh, Suzuki style S's and, <laughs> and he's learned how to, to draw the kiss logo properly. as <laughs> trapper keeper. Airwalk key ring. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I miss him too. He's a great guy. <laughs> he's so cool. Oh, he's, he's so much cooler than I'll ever be. I uh, shouldn't have been taken from this earth. Uh, sadly, uh, Mark falls asleep at this too desk. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, we learn this when he takes a, a very long and a steamy trip to the whole bathroom, which is resplendent in mint chip green and is probably the size of half the house. It's it's the size of my living room. It is <laughs> like they, they did this like pan or this kind of pan around shot and it took about yes. 45 seconds to go all the way around the room. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. I think what they're trying to do with the type of tub that's in the room and the color of the walls, the a tile, little, little shining thing mm-hmm. going on. It's a little room 237 reference. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, can I say, I actually kind of like this scene. I, I think it's pretty creepy. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, I do too. You know, the whole rising out of the tub full of blood and all that. I thought that was pretty well done. This feels like classic. Frank. Yes, yes, absolutely. Right? Yeah. It's not funny. He's not like, you know, it, it's just really unsettling. It's scary. It's psychological yeah. torture. I'm going to take the visage of someone you care about. In this case, a brother you love. And I'm going to have that brother like yell at you. Like, oh. And like taunt you. Taunt and then, yeah. And it's just full of things of dream logic of where the steam disappears. 
the the bathroom is larger than it should be. The bathtub is full of blood. Oh, suddenly my brother appears out of it. There's a whole bunch of things that feel like, oh my God, you guys totally get what the what a Freddy Krueger is. Everyone, we done did it. It happened. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, it doesn't last the rest of the movie, but I agree. I think this is one of the best sequences in the entire film. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark's brother of the Serpent Van fame, uh, you, you might, we already said, you might recognize him as Scott Farkas from A Christmas Story. He follows two-thirds of us on Twitter. I'm sure Chelsea will be able to rectify yeah. that. Or maybe he does follow you and you just don't know yet. Maybe he does. I should look. You should I look. Need to look. But let's pause the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> as far as Freddy possessions go, I think this is really good. And I think this guy sells it really well. Freddy gives off a real super needy friend vibe here where he starts his monologue talking about someone else and cuts that thread off immediately to discuss at length how you don't really care or think about him anymore. I think this works psychologically. He's a little, little, little bit of a uh, tragic ex-boyfriend. Oh yes. Very much so. Just like sitting like, Oh, are you having a hard time? I once had a hard time when you left me. (laughs) What what the (laughs) fuck? That took a turn. Well, this become about you. You know, not he became feel good Freddy. He wasn't always feel good Freddy. But also, there's there's one part where I feel like a producer got involved here, and that's when Freddy insults Jason by calling him a hockey puck. Yeah, I was like, okay, Freddy's Don Rickles now. Yeah, yeah. like Freddy appears at the Marquee Room at the Sands in Vegas in 1961. <laughs> I don't know that that's a, a reference a lot of the kids in 2003 are going to get off the top of their head. Yeah, no, it's weird, isn't it? It's like weirdly old-fashioned. Yes, but uh, Will and Lori get out of the serpent and start booking it towards the house as if they know what is happening. But they don't, but they soon discover uh, Mark uh, is dreaming at his desk and his back is on fire. Um, uh, again, this is a very old school Freddy maneuver here. Uh, and he gets thrashed around like some kind of Tina and, uh, the burn on his back, uh, ends up scarring and looking like, uh, uh, it says Freddy's back. Freddy's him. back. Yeah. Yeah. That whole sequence is great. And then the, when he's in the bathroom, it's, I don't know if it's snakes at his feet or eels or something weird like that yeah I, yeah it's um, a very uh it's a flashback to dream warriors where the tendons come out of that one kid's yeah uh hands and become uh he come, yes. becomes a puppet i think that's what they're kind of going for and it of was so the, cool to see that i was like oh my gosh and the snakes and eels were flashing back to the first movie which tina is still in the body bag her second body bag appearance she's sitting in a bevy of eels and snakes yeah, I love the callbacks. I love the callbacks. And even, yeah, the Freddy's back feels feels like we're back in old school neighbor on Elm Street, which yeah, it's, is great. It's one, two, you know, leading into three level Freddy Krueger. Yeah. It's, I feel like that's his lane. I know people like those movies and I'm never going to tell them not to. But the, that sort of base level Freddy where he's just fucking with you, I think works a little bit better with me. I'm not against scope. I'm against he, how he becomes a goofball that he becomes Bugs Bunny. That's I'm not into Bugs Bunny, Fred. Krueger. Yeah, no. Yeah. No. Same, 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 same. Yeah. But then again, I'm also not into uh, Hey, you want a child molester, Freddy Krueger that I'm really against 1000%. Yeah. I will take Freddy's dead any day of the week over the alternative. Thank you. <laughs> so we only have uh, one more sequence to talk about. And that is, is, is when we have our, our new deputy in town, whose name I can never remember, but he's played by uh, Lachlan Monroe, super Canadian character actor. And we just get this whole thing where the sheriff's like pointing a cigar at him and going like, you're from out of town. If you don't shut up about this. I can't this. think he's going to put it out of his face. Yeah. <laughs> all that cigar so close to yeah. him. Stubbs? Officer Stubbs? Officer Stubbs, Stubbs, yeah. Officer Stubbs. I'll oh, never man. remember that. But it just, again, it, I think we've talked about it at length here is the, the concept that the police department has been able to control Freddie's spread by putting vulnerable teens in a psychological hospital, which 
uh, it, is, the suggestion is is by the sheriff putting the crime scene photos in his drawer. Is that supposed to imply that they're not going to they're not going to do anything except <laughs> except make sure no one leaves town or comes into town? I think they feel like that's the only thing they can do. Like the their only option at this point is to minimize the spread of the idea of Freddy Krueger. But where are these people's parents? <laughs> <laughs> Great question. Does, does nobody in this town have parents except Laurie? Well, one could argue she barely has that. I mean, she has one dead parent and another one who killed that dead parent and likes to choke out her boyfriends. Yeah. Like, uh, like, what is he going to, what is the sheriff's plan for when these parents come in and say, hey, are you investigating my child's murder? <laughs> Uh, oh, we, we the one kid has a parent whose uh, head was put back onto his body uh, in a fashion which no blood could escape it, even though he's decapitated. Right, so, and that parent was kind of annoyed that he was sad about his friend getting. Well, murdered. that's what his taxes pay for. His taxes pay to minimize the the Freddy deaths in town. <laughs> he's that dad. This is this is not this is going to make even less sense as we go along, isn't it? It's <laughs> the next nine episodes or so that it takes us to finish I know, this entire I, movie. I was super ambitious at the beginning of this, and I thought maybe we could cover like 20, 22 minutes of the, no. <laughs> we, we're at an hour. And the, we just talked about 10 minutes of this. It is just packed with information. It is crazy. So much. So much. I am sad that I'm not going to be part of the. I'm not going to give anything away for the listeners. <laughs> Probably most people have seen this movie, but that I'm not part of the caterpillar discussion. Oh. And I'm just going to say that. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that gave me Freddie flashbacks in a weird direction. Um, <laughs> his, again, Freddy Krueger, not really great at understanding drugs. It's not his strong suit, uh, as witnessed by his reaction to it in Dream Warriors and a couple other places. He's not a great, you know, salesman of of, of the Say No movement. He doesn't do it well. Yes. All right. Well, before we go, of course, uh, we have to choose our own death venture, and that is where we... Um, of the deaths portrayed in this section of the movie, if you were forced to die in one of those ways, which one would you choose and why? So up for bid, we have turning your head all the way around backwards and stopping abruptly. Uh, you also have death by flying, flaming machete. Uh, several uh, samurai chest wounds uh, from Freddy's, uh, from Freddy's, from Jason's machete. <laughs> And uh, fine, and I guess we would say uh, have your murder covered up by an evil general practitioner who then fakes your death <laughs> in a car accident. I guess that's part of this. And of course, uh, Mark's uh, dream death where he, he's lit on fire and gets his face slashed. So, uh, Chelsea, as our guest, I turn to you for your answer first. Um, I think I'm going to do uh, the machete slash um, to the chest because to me, I think that's, I don't want to be set on fire. And I think if my head was just around, I might still be alive to sort of see what's behind me, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it feels like it'll take too long. But machete to the chest like feels very violent. There's a lot of blood everywhere. I think it'll, it would end pretty, pretty quick. And I don't think I want Freddy's back um branded into me necessarily well, the, but uh but that would be my choice because then you can't <laughs> you can't your your open casket plan of you being naked face down that goes right out the window right out the window <laughs> the police aren't gonna yeah. allow that uh I, <laughs> what say you oh uh flaming machete all the way yeah i i, I, I I'm, I'm a slow runner so i can definitely see me kind of just slowly lumbering through the corn while somebody else lumbers even more slowly behind me and just says, ah, fuck it. Just throws machete at me. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I'm with you. I'm taking flooding, uh, uh, flaming machete through the chest. Uh, also, I just, also, I just, I'm, I'm generally a, a very reserved person. I'm a big fan of the uh, the Irish goodbye and uh, <laughs> gatherings. Uh, but just once, just once, I'd like to make a big, big entrance into a party. <laughs> and I think just running into a crowd of people with a flaming machete just all the way through my torso. Yeah. It's a pretty fucking good way to go about it. Listen, if anyone survived that party, they've got a great story. They're eating out on that story for the rest of their lives. Exactly. Totally. Exactly. That, that is my, my parting gift. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That just about does it. But before we go, Chelsea, uh, tell people uh, where they can find uh, you online so they can hear about what's happening next. Yes, on uh, social medias. So um, on Instagram, at Chelsea Stardust. On Twitter, at Stardust Chelsea. And do not even attempt Facebook. A, I don't check my friend requests and B, you will get declined if I haven't met you or know you in person. So don't bother. But <laughs> Instagram, Twitter, have have at it. You can follow along to my, uh, as I watch uh, all the James Bond movies, which is what's currently dominating my social media. But um, that's where you can find me. Follow along and see what I'm up to. And I can't urge people enough uh, to check out Satanic Panic, which I found delightful. Yeah. Oh, thank you so uh, much. Yeah, it's thank a, it's you. a good one. I got to watch it for uh, Fantasia, Fantastic Fest. What, oh, what, awesome. One of those yeah, Fantasia. Yeah. Yep. So cool. It, great, 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 great. Just some fantastic performances in that. And I, I it's just a blast. It, what a great movie. Um, so oh, do you. it today, people. Check it out. Gina, where can people find you on these here internets? I am a writer at thespool.net. Uh, well, it'll be like a month by the time this, by the time this airs. Yeah, who knows what re- will be happening? <laughs> that I was uh, recapping uh, The Outsider. Um, I also write about movies and other TV series. Uh, I have my own website, uh, GinaRadcliffe.com. And I, too, am on Twitter under Porcelain72. Do it today, people. Check it out. Uh, you want to find us? You can do it. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Uh, you know, we, we do the thing. And, uh, of course, please rate and review us on iTunes if you haven't yet. That's how we're seen and heard by more people, as the kids say, or at least that's how Cronenberg puts it in a new movie that I have not seen. But the idea of David Cronenberg playing a podcaster is now all I can yes. think about. <laughs> uh, but... Awesome. That does it for uh, this edition. We'll see you next time for more Freddy vs. Jason. The body count will continue. So for myself, for Gina, and for Chelsea, bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.